0: At The Motherhood Anthology, we strongly believe that success and education go hand in hand. It is why we spend so much time cultivating this community for you filled with countless resources and educators that pour into you from real life experiences and expertise. Because when one of us succeeds, the whole industry is elevated, and from that success comes an endless well of opportunity that only enhances the potential of others in our industry. Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box and I'm your host with a collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. Sarah Edmondson joins us today on the podcast. She's an upcoming educator in the Motherhood Anthology membership and an amazing success story to come out of the membership. In this episode, we'll discuss what did Sarah do to utilize the membership, its education, and her own drive and experiences to build her very successful motherhood photography business at Sarah Magnolia Photo. Now I present to you episode number 25 and the fourth segment in a series of success stories on the Motherhood Anthology podcast. Good morning, Sarah.
1: Good morning, Kim. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, let's just start. I'd love to hear more about you. Tell me a little about yourself.
1: So my name's Sarah. I am originally from the suburbs of Boston, Massachusetts, and I moved down to Florida where I live now for college, met my now husband, move-in weekend of freshman year, and it was like a soulmate's thing. And we've been together for, I think, like 11 or 12 years now and we live in Tampa. We have a daughter. She's nine months old. Her name's Lucy and two dogs. I started my photography business right after I graduated college in 2016. And I feel like I've really hit my stride in the past few years. Honestly, like the year of COVID was my best year ever. And I feel like I've just been on like a really good trajectory since. That's me in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. So tell me, what did you do before photography?
1: I have a degree in marketing and I worked in the marketing department at the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is the NHL hockey team here. That, that was like one of the best jobs I've ever had. It was so fun. I loved working in sports and that's where I actually learned how to use a camera was in that job.
0: When did you make the leap from that to photography? Because I know that's always a worrisome transition for a lot of our members. So talk about that a little bit.
1: Absolutely. So like I said, I graduated 2015. I was working with the Lightning. I started my business in 2016. So like a year after I graduated and it kind of just fell in my lap. Like I said, I started using a camera for my job and I was taking pictures for social media, for the merchandise store at the Lightning. And I also had a blog that I started in college and My husband and I were like tinkering with a camera for those photos. My business really started in 2016 because other bloggers, this was when blogging was like really big. Other bloggers were like, oh, I love your photos. Can you take mine? And I was like, I mean, I'm not a photographer, but I can try. Like I know how to use the camera and how to edit them. And so I took one blogger's photos. And then my second client was a really, really big influencer who had just moved to the area. And It kind of took off from there because I got a lot of eyes on me from her tagging me. And then I did that, you know, as my side hustle for two years. And then after we got married in 2018, I said to my husband, you know, before we have kids, I really want to try and give this a go. I want to give it everything I've got before we have kids who would need reliable, we would need more reliable income for, and he fully supported my decision. So I went full-time in 2018. And I have been full-time since and I'll, I will never go back.
0: So was that a scary thing for you or you had kind of set yourself up to.
1: It was definitely scary. We knew could support ourselves if we had to on one income and we had enough in savings. So it was definitely a calculated decision. And also, like I said, we didn't have kids. I think if we had had kids, I would have been even more hesitant to do this, but I had regular clients and. You know, I had reoccurring jobs. I had things booked on the calendar. So I felt like pretty good about the decision, but it was, it was definitely scary. And then I was like, you know, what if I lose all my clients in the next few months? Like what happens? But luckily the job I left, they were really supportive. And they said, you know, you can always come back. My husband was supportive. My clients were supportive and it all worked out. So I'm very thankful.
0: Were you shooting motherhood at that point or were you shooting...
1: Everything. At that point, I was shooting kind of everything. So I had my reoccurring blogger clients. I had families and maternity and newborn clients that I was shooting. I was doing some branding work at the time, shooting interiors for interior designer friends. Like I was doing everything. I hadn't niched down at all at that point.
0: I think that's how we all start. Did you shoot weddings right.
1: I have dabbled in weddings. I am pretty picky about the ones that I take. I do shoot as an associate on the Jackie Cole photography team. She's a wedding photographer and I still shoot on her team, but I at this time I don't take on more than like two weddings a year under my brand.
0: So you said something interesting about how your business you felt. Did you say your best year was during COVID?
1: It was. At that point, I'd been in business for a few years. I am really lucky to have really loyal clients. And, you know, people were having babies and babies were turning 1. And I'm in Florida, so we only were locked down for 1 month and I didn't work during that month, which was scary, but luckily I was able to work the, you know, the rest of the time and people still wanted pictures taken. So, you know, we were really careful. I always wore a mask, we shot outside when we could. I was super cautious, but I was able to shoot for 11 months out of that year and people still wanted those milestones to be captured despite what was going on in the world. And it was wild. It was literally my best year I'd ever had.
0: Isn't that funny? Like I've talked to friends in other professions. I have a interior designer friend and she was like, like all of us thinking like the world was coming to an end and how are we going to pay our bills? And she was like, it was the best year ever. Like I'm still not caught up. And I think it just made us all stop being so busy and focus on family and home
1: right. and
0: the things that we are always like putting on the back burner. Like I'll get to that. I'll do family photos when I'll get my home situated when I have time. Right.
1: right. I also think people really reflected on like what mattered, you know, cause people weren't going out to eat. So they weren't spending money there. They weren't traveling. So they weren't spending money there, but like your kids are still having birthdays. You still want to get pictures of your kids growing up. And like you said, like you still want to decorate your home now that you're spending so much time there. So I think people just kind of changed their priorities and it was to our benefit in this industry.
0: I agree. So do you have a studio?
1: I don't right now. I had one at our old house and I loved using that. I have plans to make one at this house, we have the space, but right now I don't have one and it's kind of fun because it pushes me to shoot outside all the time or use clients' homes, which I love. And I also have a porch at my house that I'll just throw a backdrop up on mm-hmm. and the light is beautiful out there. And I take studio-esque you photos out there sometimes.
0: So tell me, like I, I can't imagine we talk a lot about the photography industry and how many photographers there are these days, but you being in Tampa, I would imagine that you have a pretty saturated market. Do you feel that way?
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Just one thing, like we're excited because you're going to be an educator coming up, I think in June inside of the membership. Yeah, Yeah, Um, I am excited to have you there, but talk to me about like, just what do you do? What do you feel like you're doing that setting you, above the others like just to talk to me about like standing out in that saturated market.
1: For sure. So I think a lot of what where my success comes from in this saturated market and I mean like it's not like there's, you know, five other photographers. There there's probably hundreds of photographers in Tampa in the surrounding area. We have big cities and sometimes those photographers shoot here in Tampa too. So there's a lot of competition, there's a lot of talent here, but I think what's working for me is I know who my ideal client is and I only post like my ideal client on my website and my social media. And so that attracts more ideal clients. And since I've honed in so well on my ideal client, it's very specific that comes across in my marketing and my digital brand identity. Another thing I think is the experience that I offer I offer, like most Motherhood Anthology photographers, I offer an all-inclusive experience. So I have client wardrobe. If they don't want to wear that, I'll style clothes that they can purchase, and I have a bunch of scouted locations, and I offer hair and makeup recommendations, and I hold their hand a lot through the process, which I think people really appreciate as opposed to okay, your sessions on this day and time at this place, show up, good luck. I'm not going to prep you for it at all, which happens. And people really appreciate the time and attention that I give them. People appreciate my consistency. They know what they're going to get and they know they're going to love the photos. I think another part of it is I really try and run my business as a person. So I try and create genuine relationships with my clients, genuine relationships with people in the community. And I treat you know my clients like friends. And I think that really works in my favor. And it's totally a genuine thing. Most of my clients become my friends, but I follow them on social media. I interact with them like when they post pictures of their kids that I've taken pictures for for years, like I'll, you know, heart it or reply. And I think that really sets me apart. Whereas other photographers are churning and burning and they could care less about their clients' kids, you know, birthday party or concert or whatever. And another thing I think is really big. So in Tampa, there's a couple locations and everyone shoots there. So people see their friends shooting there and they're like, well, I want to do photos there. And I'm, I tell people, I don't shoot there. I'm not going to shoot there. I don't want my photos to look like everyone else's. Why would you want your photos to look like everyone else's? Here's like 20 other locations that are beautiful. And here's examples of sessions I've shot there. And every time people would rather go somewhere else, but All the other photographers are shooting at these same few spots. They're fighting for the same spot when they get there at sunset. And I think that happens in a lot of cities. You know, people find like the obvious three choices and they shoot there. But there's so many other spots to explore for sessions. You
0: mentioned you know who your ideal client is. Yes. Who is your ideal client?
1: My ideal client is someone who is definitely part of an affluent community husband and wife probably both work. A lot of my clients are doctors, lawyers, PAs, architects, things like that. And they dress their kids usually in like the smocked Beaufort bonnet type clothes. My clients, the the moms dress usually in like a certain aesthetic like the floral dresses with the puff sleeve and their hair is done like really well. They, they live in certain neighborhoods in Tampa. They drive certain cars, they go, they're members at certain yacht clubs. So this is the caliber of client that I'm working with. And, you know, once you get into some of these groups, they refer to you you to their friends. And then now you have, you know, this whole little mom group that you're shooting for because these clients are you know, well-connected, their friends trust them, and they want to be loyal to small businesses.
0: Also, you probably know there's a lot of talk in our membership about just finding your ideal client. So being so focused on exactly who your ideal client is, do you feel like they found you organically, or did you set out to build this clientele of this person? Like, how did you find find yourself in the mix of these mm -hmm. people?
1: So I think I got more of these clients as I started honing in on my process and my offerings and also increasing my prices. So I had a couple of these clients in the beginning and then it was just organic like they found me either it was a friend of a friend or they found me on Instagram or something like that. they started using me then their friends started using me and then their friends' friends started using me. So it was kind of just like a ripple effect And like almost always my clients, come from word of mouth because like a friend of a friend has used me. So I'm not really seeking these people out directly. They're finding me through my clients that I've nurtured the relationship with and provided a wonderful service and beautiful photos. I will say, you know, there's something to be said about using Instagram strategically for these kinds of things and showing up where your ideal client is at. So tagging certain locations or, Maybe, you know, you're at a coffee shop that they probably go to, like posting it on your stories, being involved in your local community is super important. And networking with other small business owners in your community, super important because more often than not, like that small business owner has clients that would transfer to your business and vice versa.
0: So in the very beginning, when you first moved there, were there things like tips that you could give our listener or someone just starting out that wants to put themselves in a similar position with clients?
1: So my first kind of like circle of network in Tampa was from my job at the lightning and then the blogger sphere in Tampa, because I was a blogger myself. And that's kind of where my network started blogging like really isn't what it used to be but I would say like as my network evolved I'm a part of the junior league of Tampa and there's a junior league chapter in almost every city that's super valuable to me there's lots and lots and lots of other small business owners moms and you know people who need photos in the junior league so that's a really good one that I'm a part of and I think just like like I said, networking with other small business owners, I've kind of organically met other small business owners by being out and about or shopping there myself. Just develop that relationship. But if you're new to a city, there's nothing stopping you from finding other small businesses with a similar ideal client and going and going into the store or whatever it is, messaging them on Instagram and like asking to meet up and chit-chat because if you're both seeking out the same client, I'm sure, you know, you could help each other local, like children's boutiques are a good one or hair salons where your are mo- like the moms are probably getting their hair done, like network with the salon owner. There's so many different avenues you could take. And like a lot of cities have mom groups. So like join the mom group in the zip code that your ideal client lives in, or like I said, the junior league, cause that's going to be a huge range of zip codes in your area that people are from.
0: Do You have any specific routine, like you were talking about, like you make sure to comment on their posts and like stay engaged. Like, do you have a routine around that? Or like an organization for like, these are my people, or is it just like, I'm on Instagram and I see a post and I like it.
1: So it's kind of like, I don't, I'm not on Instagram, like at a certain time every day or anything like that, because I have a baby. So my focus is primarily on her. But when I am on Instagram, I just organically like tap through stories or scroll through my feed and I follow all my clients. So they show up on my photography page feed and I'll just interact. So on Instagram, you can make a close friends list and I have my clients all on my close friends list. And that's super helpful. If you want to post something and you just want like on your stories and you just want your clients to see it. So if I like... Need a model for you know something? I prefer to use past clients, and I'll post on there. Or if I'm gonna run a print sale, or I have openings that I only want for my clients, or an offer I only want for my clients, it's so easy to throw it up on your Instagram stories. And then if they're all on your close friends, that's the only people who can see it.
0: Right. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. That's a good tip. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that Instagram prioritizes those close friends in your feed and stories. Also, when you're tapping through, so they'll come up higher, I believe.
0: Okay, so talk to me about your client experience. You mentioned that too. So walk me through what it looks like when a client uh, reaches out to you through the process. Just
1: Okay, so I have an inquiry form on my website, and I direct all inquiries there. So if someone's DMing me, asking me to book a session, or what's my availability, how much does it cost, blah, 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 you got to, here's the link, you have to submit an inquiry through my website. That is connected to my Dubsado, so it will pull all of their information from the lead and create a lead in my Dubsado, which is helpful helpful later in the process. When I reply to the inquiry, I have a pretty standard response, and I kind of just like edit a few things depending on what they're emailing me about or inquiring about, and I don't lead with pricing. I lead with my, pros- my process, my, my creativity, the art that we can create together, and I don't send any pricing in the initial email. I asked them for a good time to get on a quick consult call to make sure we're a good fit. And this is something that I just started incorporating. I was very resistant to getting like on the phone with people because Mm -hmm. it's not something I don't really like to talk on the phone with people. I'd much rather email text or like see you in person, but it has worked out so much better. And I wish I started doing this sooner. So people who aren't serious, they're not going to respond to you. They're not going to get on the phone with you. So they automatically weed themselves out and you don't have to like, waste time following up with these people or anything. So I'll follow up with people maybe once if they don't respond to that first email, but that's it.
0: I was just going to say, before we get past this, I want to know what the phone call is like. What, what do you ask during the phone call?
1: Okay. So then once we set up a time, we get on the phone, I ask them to tell me about themselves and their family. You know, where are you from? Where do you like, what part of Tampa do you guys live in? And what do you like The session? You know, you inquired about a newborn session. So when's baby due, blah, blah, blah. I say, you okay, let me tell you a, bit, a little bit about my process. And then I run through, you know, we're going to plan your wardrobe. I offer a client wardrobe. We can pull from there. If you'd rather buy clothes, wear your own. We can work something out. But we're going to style the whole family for the shoot because that makes a huge difference. We're go- I'm going to recommend hair and makeup artists to you. I tell my clients it's up to them to book or not. Because some of my clients, they honestly do a better job of doing their hair and makeup than a hair and makeup artist would. And some of my clients, they don't know how to do their hair and makeup. So those people opt for the artists. And then I say, you know, we're going to pick a location. I have a location guide that I send people and they can pick which one speaks to them. If it's a newborn session, I do prefer to do those in the client's home. So I ask them to send me pictures of the most well-lit rooms in their house around 10 a.m. And then we kind of decide if that's a, you know, a viable option for their session, if there's enough light. And then I tell them, you know, at your session, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. And I do both candid and posed images. If you're looking for someone who's just going to take like a hundred photos of you guys smiling at the camera, I'm not your girl. I think that like the more beautiful images are you guys interacting with each other organically. And that's why people come to me. And then, you know, I'm like, what's your vision? If it's not a newborn session, you know, did you have a vision for this? Maybe they have a boat and we could take pictures on a boat. I actually have a maternity session where we're doing them on their boat next weekend, I think. And I wouldn't have known they had a boat if we didn't get on phone and we wouldn't have come up with that idea. So then I get them all excited Sometimes people ask me about the pricing on the phone and sometimes people are just like, I want, I want to do this. So like send me the link and I'm going to pay whatever it is. And then I say, let's look at some tentative dates. We pencil dates in. I'm going to send you my full investment guide when we get off the phone and the link to book. We hang up, I send them my full investment guide and then an invoice for my creative fee, the contract, basically their Dubsado portal set up. And then they can book or not, and I would say ninety eight percent of the people I get on the phone with they book. Like it's a very high percentage, and it's working really would
0: well. Would you say it was the same before the phone call, or no, no huge difference?
1: Huge difference, yeah, huge difference. All you,
0: all you people like me that do not want to get on the phone.
1: <laughs> I don't. I didn't want to get on the phone either, but I'm finding that. The more I hone in on my ideal client and market to my ideal client, everyone I'm getting on the phone with, it's like talking to a friend because they're my ideal client. So, you know, they want to hear what I have to say. I want to hear what they have to say. I want to get to know them and they're easy to talk to.
0: Are you talking at all about artwork or are you selling? Yes.
1: So I'll tell, I tell them, you know, we can create an album. Albums are really good. If you're doing a first year collective, you know, make a beautiful album that includes all three of your sessions. I offer framed artwork. I offer some like different kinds of frames as add-ons, so it couldn't be their only purchase. But I really like those like acrylic block frames, and those are really fun for like styling shelves or putting on your bureau and your or a nightstand. I also have a bifold brass frame that I offer with prints in it, and this like really pretty vintage brass frame that's thick and it comes with a canvas print. And so I have like a couple like funkier decor frames that I offer as add ons. And I think that's something that sets me apart too. is like, if they want to add, if they want to buy digitals and then add on one of these, or if they want to buy an album and add on one of these and some digitals, they can do whatever they want. But I do offer, you know, the standard wall frames or gallery walls, all of those things.
0: So you're mentioning that during the phone call.
1: Yes. I mention it in the inquiry response email on the phone call. And then like when I deliver the photos, it's also, there's like mock-ups in there. So have you always been kind of a la carte or is this a, a newer thing? This is a new thing I'm trying this year because I do really like the artwork and I have framed photos of me and my husband we don't have any of us with Lucy on the walls yet, but we have framed photos of me and my husband and our dogs in our house. <laughs> and I love seeing photos on the wall of, of us. So I that's something I wanted my clients to also enjoy. I definitely see the value in it even more now that I have a baby. So I started offering that this year. And I also changed my pricing to the creative fee, you know, and then a la carte. And, um, so far it's working well up until then I was all inclusive at a high price point and that worked well also. So, so do you mind just, sharing
0: what, what you charged all inclusive before?
1: Sure. So I was all inclusive at 1250. Okay. And now and what's creative fee? 350. And that I tell them includes my time and talent as the artist and my time at the session, my time editing And my time, like helping you order artwork, it doesn't include and you know, access to my client wardrobe, but it doesn't include hair and makeup, which I know some photographers do. I just personally don't do that.
0: So at what point are they getting pricing? Because I heard you say like, you're not sending it initially. And I know there's two opinions on that. And I'm not sure exactly where I fall. Like some people are very upfront with their pricing here. It is before you really go any farther, and I kind of lean towards the, I'm not going to lead with that if you ask me for it for sure. But um, right. I want you to invest in in the process of getting to know me a little bit before I send you that. Exactly. Um, so how do you feel about that?
1: So I agree with you. I am not trying to hide my pricing by any means. If someone asks me, I'll tell them on the phone. I'm full transparency. Okay. My goal is just not to lead with my pricing because if you lead with your pricing you're discrediting yourself as an artist you're discrediting all of you know your offerings all of your time and talent and expertise and you're just going to get price shoppers so i try to lead with my my talents my expertise my offerings my process what sets me apart like i want people to buy into that and usually after they hear what i have to say and they see my galleries they're willing to do that at the higher price point. But I think if I just told people the price off the bat, it might, they might get sticker shock, especially if they're just kind of inquiring with a bunch of photographers to, to find the cheapest one. So mm-hmm. I send pricing after we get off of that phone call. I send them the full investment guide. And, um, you know, like I said, I believe in full transparency. I just think the steps in which you reveal things to them matters.
0: I agree. So one more question about the change in pricing. So would you say that your average sale is better now? Yes. So you're feeling good about that change?
1: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was really nervous and very resistant to that also at first, just Mm -hmm. like a mental block that I was dealing with. But I think this works a lot better.
0: Did you get any pushback from previous clients?
1: No, I was really worried about that too. And I haven't because they still have the option to like, if they just want to pay the creative fee and then buy their digitals, they can, you know what I mean? Like they're not forced to buy frames and albums. And so if my past clients were used to just getting those digitals, they want to keep doing that fine by me.
0: So after the phone call, what next?
1: So then their input into Dubsado they get sent an email, which is like through my Dubsado with a link to their portal to pay the creative fee, sign the contract. The full investment guide is attached. And, um, I tell people, you know, your, your date's not locked in until you have officially booked, which is contract and creative fee. Once we do that, then they get a questionnaire where I get some more info from them about who's going to be in the session, their sizes, you know, lots of different things. It's a pretty like it's a medium length questionnaire and they can see my client wardrobe in there and my location guide and make their selections from there. Then I work with them on pulling everyone's outfits together, finalizing location and like time of day because it gets trickier when, you know, sunset is later in the day because I shoot a lot of younger kids whose bedtime's at seven. So sometimes we need to do sunrise or shoot somewhere where we can shoot at five and it's not going to be, the light's not going to be too harsh. And so we kind of work through all those details. And I tell them like, whatever's easier for you. If you want to get on the phone, you want to text me, you want to email, whatever's easier for you, we can do that to plan this. And then, you know, once we're ready for the session, we show up that day, take the pictures. After the session, I send a proof gallery with everything watermarked. And they can make their selections in there for which pictures they want. They can pick frame corners. There's pictures of frame corners in my gallery that I deliver. You can see sample albums, um, sample gallery walls, and they make all their decisions in there. And again, at that step, I say, you know, I value your time. And if you don't want to do like a full in-person ordering appointment, we don't have to. So, but if you do want me to walk you through this on the phone or on zoom or in person, we can, but a lot of my clients are super busy. They're working their Both parents work and I'm not going to cut into, you know, their, their time like that. So they can do it all without me if they want, or I can help. Some
0: tips for encouraging the sale, because I can imagine if you, if I just sent a gallery with the no deadline or, um, expiration on the gallery that they're going to drag it out. So how do you walk them through the purchase at that point?
1: So definitely give a deadline and say like, I'm, you know, this is when you have to order this by. And I think a week is enough time for people. And it kind of encourages them to right. do it sooner rather than later. I would take that gallery down if they don't and then get on the phone with them and walk them through it at that point. But that hasn't happened to me yet. My clients are pretty on the ball and know what they want and they don't want anyone, you know, to waste their time. So, they just make their selections and since I have everything laid out in the gallery artwork-wise that they can see, I think, you know, it sells itself. It's the albums are beautiful, the linen and like the embossing beautiful and I order from Indy. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. And I have samples of decold ed- edge um, prints on there. Those are personally one of my faves and they're just so beautiful. Um, so I have sample images of those kinds of prints in like a flat lay with like some pretty flowers and books and things like that. So I've definitely taken the time to create these images of the products and um, you know uploading the frame corners, things like that. I worked with a graphic designer to mock up some um sample gallery walls in sample rooms. So um we kind of took inspiration from interior design sketches. And I had I pulled all the furniture I wanted her to use in these silhouettes. And she drew them and then drew the gallery walls that I kind of envisioned for these spaces. And I have those in there as samples. Oh, wow. And that was something I thought was like oh, that was that was a really good idea, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that really helps people envision The possibility, which is what I think you need to do. You need to help people visualize these things because we're creatives. So visualizing things in our minds is so easy for us. But for a lot of people, they can't see it abstractly. They can only see it if you show them. So finding a way to show them, I think, helps. So are you You making
0: suggestions at the end when they're when it's time to purchase? Are you telling them what you
1: think they should do with their images? So I tell people, you know if you have a blank wall in your house, like I'll come over and measure it. And we can, and I'll bring you frame corners and we can mock something up. I've had clients who, so my clients really lean towards custom. So I've had clients who had, they had like two blank walls in their pool house and they wanted these like custom frames to fill the space. And it wasn't your standard, you know, eight by 10 with a three inch mat. It was like, a vertical frame with a horizontal photo and the photo was like towards the top of the mat. And there was a lot of white space below it and they wanted the same um, kind of footprint on the other wall, but two frames. So it was super custom. So that really involves me going out there and measuring and working with um, my framer on creating these custom things. So sometimes my clients come to me with those specific things in mind And then other times I say, you know, you did the First Career Collective. This is your last session. You should really put these in an album and, you know, encourage them that way. But I definitely am not pushy at all. That's not in my personality. So I kind of just like leave it up to them. And I have all of my minimums priced where I'm happy if that's all I get.
0: Is there anything you're doing after the sale or after the artwork is delivered
1: Yeah, so I add, like I said, add all my clients to my close friends on my Instagram and I will post things periodically on there um, for close friends. I'm very active on my stories. And I feel like if you follow your clients, they're gonna follow you back and stay in the loop with you. I post almost all my sessions on my feed and I tag them. I add them to my email list on Flowdesk is what I use. Mm -hmm. So I have a segment for my clients and I'll send them out client-specific emails whether it's like upcoming availability. I offer a couple of events throughout the year. So spots for them, I try and send them client exclusive offers. I try and open up my calendar to clients first. If I have events coming out, I send them, I send it out to clients, past clients first. And I try and just like give them as many perks as I can that are at no cost to me because it really makes people feel like you value them because i do it's easier to you know work with the same clients again because they trust you versus you know converting new leads so when you do things like open your calendar to them first open events to them first you're much more likely to book past clients
0: so let me ask you this is there one thing is there a tool something you you when you think about your business like I could not live without this or this is the thing that makes the difference or this thing has been so helpful. So is there one thing that you could share that would be helpful to our listener?
1: So I would say I have I have a few like can't live without. Okay. <laughs> one is obvious Lightroom. I like I don't think any of us could live without Lightroom. So that's an obvious one. Instagram is so crucial for me and i got hacked at some point in the past year and so side note they hacked me through my personal facebook but i have my business like my instagram is my like a facebook business page and mm-hmm. it's linked to my business instagram and so everything associated with that personal facebook page got taken down it would have been gone forever had i not had contacts at facebook which i'm super lucky to have had and they were able to reinstate it but since then i've disconnected my Instagrams from my Facebook because otherwise I would have just been out of luck and I would have lost years and years of building up my Instagram. But luckily I got it back, thank God, because Instagram is a huge, huge thing for me for you know getting new clients, showcasing my work, keeping up with past clients, posting on uh, my stories about upcoming availability, things like that. Crucial, crucial marketing tool for me. Another one on the back end is DubSado. And I, this was a huge component to add in for me and it saves me so much time. I didn't realize how much time I was wasting not having a CRM in place. And now it houses all my leads, all my jobs, you know, all their invoices, contracts, emails, everything is housed in their portals. And it also is really helpful when tax season comes around. So could not live without Dubsado and I highly recommend it. My other one is Flowdesk because I think email marketing is really intimidating to people, but Flowdesk really simplifies it. You know, there's tons of templates. You can make your segments. You can export your lists from Dubsado and import them to Flowdesk. You can, you know, create pop-ups or banners on your website through Flowdesk for people to subscribe. And I, I get email subscribers from there. So those are tools that I, I couldn't run my business without you
0: are a member of the Motherhood Anthology. And so I have to ask you, what are some of your favorite things about the membership or what have you taken from it that might have helped you with your success?
1: Absolutely. So I've been in it for years and I think my favorite aspect is the community because I think it's so important to have community in your industry. And as photographers, we're siloed so much of the time that it's nice to talk to other photographers without competition and just say, you know, what's working for you. What's not working for you. You ran into this client, you know, snafu. What did you do? Cause I have the same one. So I find the, the Facebook group is so helpful for questions and just like we're all having the same, you know, issues and pain points. So if we can, you know, help one another doing that and save people, months of trial and error. I love that. But I would say the biggest takeaway I've had from TMA that was like a huge light bulb for me was, I think it's like way back in the education, someone talks about finding locations and they said, just look at your Google maps and look for green space around you and go drive by it because you're going to find spots that you would have never before because they're not an obvious choice. And so I do this now. It's like a fun a fun pastime for me to do this. <laughs> and I'm constantly looking on my Google maps for green space, ponds, parks, things that look promising. And I will, I would say like twice a year, I go on like a big scouting mission to scout new locations. Cause I really like to keep my locations fresh and have things like have locations that other people aren't shooting at. And that's where I figured out how to do that was from this TMA education. And it was so helpful. And I've even helped other photographers in other cities who are like, I don't know where to shoot. I'm like, hold on. I've never been to this city, but let me look at some of the green space that you need to go drive by from Google Maps.
0: Yeah, that's a good tip. So we titled this episode of the podcast um a success story. So we definitely congratulations on that, because we we definitely can see a success story.
1: Um, Thank so, you.
0: Yeah, so um I think there's so much encouragement for people that maybe just are starting that are looking around. And like we said in the beginning, like we, we all feel like, oh, our market is so saturated, but, you know, you're making a great living, very successful in a saturated market. And I think that's very encouraging for people to know. So I wanted to end this recording with a question that I ask sometimes, and that is, how do you define success?
1: So that's a tough one, but I think success is different to everyone. So for me, success is having security, having security financially and, you know, in my relationships, in my business, you know, mentally having like security and peace. And though that all comes from having the successful business where I've created balance between, you know, time for business and personal life by only working with ideal clients, because when you're only working with ideal clients, you cut out so much headache that you get from working with not your ideal client. And so I just feel like I am in such a great place in my business because I have, I mean, I've put in the work, I've put in the research and the time and I've honed my skills, but more importantly, I've made, you know, some uncomfortable decisions and I've believed in myself. Um, and made some like really crucial changes in, to my business in the past year. Like I said, like getting on the phone with people, also saying no to people and not taking everyone. Like these things are so scary, but I think they make the biz- biggest difference because not only are you going to have more time for the right people, but you're going to just have more mental clarity and mental peace, which I think is so important. So you don't get burned out. That's great. Okay, so I wanted to offer some advice for people who are considering joining the Motherhood Anthology or, you know, maybe you're in the Motherhood Anthology and you're just starting out in your photography business and you're in a saturated market and you're you're just thinking, you know, I don't even I don't even know where to start. I don't have a chance. I'm not as good as these other people. I think if well, if you're not in the Motherhood Motherhood Anthology, you definitely need to join. I think you'll make your money back twofold from all of the education and community support there is in that Facebook group. So many of the questions trying to figure out on your own are answered or can be answered by other photographers who've been in business for five, 10, 15 years. And if someone can save you like the mental headache and the struggle of those first one to two years of where you're just trying to figure things out, then you're so much better off. And you can totally skip over those first one to two hard years by diving into the education and just seeing everything that has been offered in the motherhood anthology education. And something I think that they really push is raise your prices, start at a profitable point. And that's something that's so scary to people. But I think if I were to go back and give myself advice on when I first started, it would be to charge more. You don't need to be charging, you know, an astronomical amount if that doesn't feel comfortable to you, but you can't be profitable if you're all inclusive at 300. And they really pushed costs of doing business, which I love because realistically you have to run a profitable business for you, you to be successful. And it's so much harder to level up if you're starting at the ground floor. But if you're starting you know, on the third story, it's so much easier to level up to that penthouse in just a couple of years. And I think that the encouragement from the motherhood anthology has really helped me and pushed me to get there and to raise my prices and know my worth. And I just, I really can't recommend it enough.
0: Yeah. It's easy for us to sit back and kind of take credit for the motherhood anthology, but honestly, I've said this before. It is all about that community of people. When I asked you earlier about your pricing and you're like, I don't know, I'm not comfortable maybe sharing like that one tidbit, for good reason, like, because your Mm -hmm. competition is probably listening, but the thing, the beauty of being inside that community is like, everybody is an open book for the most part. And you can ask questions and not feel like, I don't know if I can share that or not. Like, I didn't always have that in my career. I've been doing this for a long time. And there was a lot of years where I didn't have anyone, you know, you had to pay for a workshop that cost thousands of dollars, and then they still didn't talk about money. Right. It is yeah. so wonderful to just have this very active community of people that will share just about anything you want to know.
1: <laughs> exactly, and I love that it's such a variety of people coming from different walks of life, from different areas. There's people that live in big cities, and there's also people that live in re- really rural areas, and they're super successful because I think sometimes people think, "Well, I live here, so like I can't, I can't do that because I'm not in New York City or Boston or Atlanta," but Realistically, there's people in the Midwest on Motherhood Anthology that are so successful.
0: Well, this has been so good, Sarah. Tell, tell everyone where they can connect with you.
1: So on Instagram, I'm the Studio Magnolia. My website's thestudiomagnolia.com. And my Facebook, I'm also the, the Studio Magnolia.
0: Thank you so much. This was great. People are going to love this.
1: Yay. I'm so excited.
0: Sarah, thank you so much for sharing how the TMA membership has helped you in growth and success in your own photography business. I also loved how Sarah gave applicable tips on how to stand out in a saturated market and break into the luxury client market. I think we can all appreciate her super helpful tip on utilizing the Instagram close friends list to better target and cater to our clients. I hope this episode left you with insight, encouragement, and motivation to elevate your business. For those of you listening in real time, the membership and community you heard Sarah talk about so fondly is open for new members right now through Thursday, April the 6th. The Motherhood Anthology membership costs only $45 a month with no commitment required. You can opt out at any time, although we're sure that once you join, you'll never want to leave us. Not only does the membership offer almost five years of archived education, we add to that education monthly from highly regarded and respected business owners and experts in our industry. With only a few days left to join, we urge you not to wait. Join today by going to themotherhoodanthology.com slash membership. I love this quote from Winston Churchill, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it's the courage to continue that counts. So from Ireland to yours, Until next time, friends.